Exodus 13, verses 17 through 32. This is the word uh, of our God. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkot and then camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Since the reading of the Lord's word this morning, let's pray. Mighty God, we give thanks for your word. Lord, help us to hold it with reverence and awe, to submit ourselves to it, and thank you for the words of assurance and comfort that you provide through it. May you bless it this morning, that we might grow to be thankful uh, and to rejoice all the more in everything that you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I got a question for all of you this morning. Uh, have you ever doubted God? Have you ever doubted God? I'm guessing that if we were to do a show of hands, it'd probably be everybody. Um, I think everyone has had doubts at some point in their lives, at some point in their Christian walk. Um, usually something happens, right? There's, there's something that happens in your life that throws you in a tailspin and causes you to doubt. Maybe it's a sickness, Maybe it's an accident, and you wonder, how could God let this happen? Maybe it's a persistent struggle with sin. Maybe it's a loved one who has a persistent struggle with sin. Maybe it seems like God's not answering your prayers. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Or maybe it's just the constant pressures of everyday life pushing on you constantly, every day, making you question if you're on the right path or not. I think we've all had these thoughts. We've all asked ourselves these questions. How, how do I know God will be faithful to me? How do I know God's going to keep His promises? How do I know I'm going the right way when it seems like I'm going the wrong way? First of all, you're not alone. You're not the only Christian to have ever had doubts. And in fact, I think every Christian for forever has had doubts, has had these thoughts and these questions. I think we've all felt lost at some point, or directionless, or alone. So why are we still here? Right, if we've all had these doubts, what keeps us from abandoning the faith and walking away? These are difficult questions, but I think these are questions that we have asked and that Israel has asked, and that Israel is going to face as they begin this long journey through the wilderness. They are going to ask themselves these questions. 
they will ask themselves, how do we know God is going to keep his promises? How do we know God has our good in mind when it seems like he's leading us into the wilderness? How do we know we're going the right way? These aren't just you know, abstract questions for Israel. These are practical in the moment. I don't know where we are. How do I know God will get us to where we're going? And God could be a God who stands far away and lets us ask these questions and lets us try to figure it out on our own. But he's not. God knows his people ask these questions. And God answers them. Specifically, he provides the answer. And the answer is himself. The answer is his own presence. Because God does not stand far away as his people walk through the wilderness. God is close. He joins them in the hard walk through the wilderness. And it's not simply an act of solidarity. God's presence is not simply him putting a hand on your shoulder and saying, There, there, you got this. God's presence is the beacon that tells us where to go. God's presence is our leader. His presence is the assurance that we will get there. Not because of our power, but because of His. And that's the message of our passage this morning. That God's presence leads His people and guarantees that they will make it to the promised land. The the presence of the Lord leads and guarantees the promised land to those who trust Him. That's our, our... the message of this passage this morning. So let's look at our passage and see how the Lord is is saying these things. So verse 17 opens, When Pharaoh let the people go. It's been a while since we've been in Exodus, so it's helpful to have a little review verse like this. This reminds us where we are. We just had chapter 13, which was uh, kind of a a side discursus where the Lord started to talk about firstborn, um, that they were called to consecrate every firstborn, that they were called to keep this feast of unleavened bread. And now we jump back to where we are in the story that Israel has just come out of Egypt. Pharaoh has just let the people of Israel go. The Passover lambs, they've been slain. Egypt has been plundered. Israel has got up, they've taken what things they could carry, and they have left. And they are now journeying into the wilderness. And the rest of the verse says, in verse 17 again, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. In other words, they could have gone the direct route. Right? If you're looking at a map, you have Egypt, and you have Canaan over here, and they could have gone, zoop, you know, done a direct route. And the Lord said, no, we're not going to go that way because that was the way, that was the trade route, which meant there's cities and fortifications from Egypt all along that whole way. That would have been uh, a slog, constant battle just to get through uh, that land. So instead of leading them through this land of civilization, God leads them through the wilderness. And not just through the wilderness, but he leads them the opposite direction. Right? If Canaan is, is northeast of where they're supposed to go, God leads them south. So instead of going up, they go down. 
And notice that this is not because the Lord was worried that Egypt was too strong. This was not because the Lord said, well, I can't defeat all these Egyptians. Egypt, wow. I can't defeat all these Egyptians. So instead, we're going to go the easy way. Now, the reason is the rest of verse 17. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. In other words, the Lord knows ahead of time that Israel is going to doubt. When things get hard, Israel is going to want to turn back. So the problem is not that Egypt is too strong for God. The problem is that Israel's faith is still tender. It's still fresh. And the Lord has compassion on them. So he doesn't lead them south because he thinks they can't handle it. He knows they can't. And instead of subjecting them to that, he leads them in a way that is easier uh, because he loves them. Because he knows that they are going to doubt. But notice also that he doesn't just nudge them to go south. He doesn't ask them, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go face war or do you want to go into the wilderness? No, the Lord leads them. Verse 17, God did not lead them by way of the land of Philistines. Verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And notice how God leads them. How is the Lord doing this? How is he leading them? Verse 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. In other words, right? God, God doesn't give them the address and say, all right, now you figure out how to get there. He doesn't give them a map. Nor does he mark the path with glowing lights. God himself leads his people. Because it says, And the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud. The Lord went before them. God is there. He's not distant. He's not far away. He is right there with them. In fact, he's in front of them. All right, verse 22, And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people, which means from in front of the people. If they ever wonder, right, where are we going, all they have to do is look ahead of them and see the Lord walking before them and say, all we have to do is follow him. And that's important because it looks like they're going the wrong direction. Right? They're supposed to go northeast, and they're going south. And they have to be asking the question, now, where are we going? How do we know we're going the right way? All they have to do is look at the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire to know that they are going the right way, because God is leading them. And he will not depart. Israel does not have to fear getting lost. They don't have to fear being directionless. They don't even have to fear that they're on their own and no one's coming to help them. The Lord is with them. And the Lord's presence is leading them. And he does that because he knows that they will be tempted to turn back. 
Because he knows that they will question where they're going. He knows that they will say to themselves, this doesn't seem like the right way. How can I know that this is the right way? And God says, just look at me. And you'll know you're going the right way. The Lord's presence gives assurance to his people that they are, in fact, going the right way. Even if it seems like they're going south when they're supposed to go north. But have you ever wondered, why a pillar of cloud? Why a pillar of fire? This seems like an oddly specific way for God to show his presence. Uh, Why does he choose these these things? Because we know God doesn't do things randomly. Um, So what's the point? Why cloud? Why fire? I think there's two reasons. The first reason is because back in Genesis 15, the Lord made a promise to Abraham. And in Genesis 15, the Lord promised to give to Abraham and his descendants a land called Canaan. And when Abraham asked him, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? The Lord took some animals, and he cut them in half, and he walked between them. And you remember how God represented himself when he walked between the animals? It was a smoking pot, a smoking fire pot, and a burning torch. Cloud and fire. When God wanted to assure Abraham that he was going to fulfill his promise, he walked between the animals as cloud and as fire. And he wasn't simply making a promise. He was binding himself to fulfill the promises or he would be cut in half like the animals. God was laying his life on the line and saying, if I don't give your descendants the promised land, I give up my life. So if you want to know how serious I am about this promise, that's how serious I am. So when Israel is coming out of Egypt and asking themselves, well, how can we know that God is going to bring us to the promised land? God appears before them as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. To remind them, I made this promise to Abraham. I swore on my life that I would bring your descendants to the promised land. So he's reminding Israel of this promise. He's reminding Israel that God has pledged his life to drive it home that this is a guarantee they will make it to the promised land. Because God has promised. But I think there's another reason why the Lord specifically chooses cloud and fire. The first is to draw them back to Abraham and that promise. But the second reason is because that usually when the Lord appears in a cloud, that's a specific person of the Trinity. That's the Spirit of God appearing, the third person of the Trinity. And when the Spirit of God shows up, usually means one of two things is about to happen. The first is that there's usually about to be some creation. Some sort of creative event. That's what happens in Genesis because the Spirit of God hovers over uh, the chaotic waters of pre-creation and and forms it into creation. And it's the Spirit of God who is breathed into Adam and gives him life. But the second role that the Spirit plays, the second thing that often happens is that the Spirit is a guarantee. 
That when the Spirit shows up, he is, he is being given as a down payment. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. When the Spirit shows up, He is a down payment, a guarantee of the inheritance. You might be asking yourself, well, what does that mean? What's a guarantee? That all sounds great, but I don't know what that means. Think of it like this. It's like if a dad bought his son a car. And the car's still in the shop. It's not ready yet. But until it's ready, the dad gives the son the keys to the car and says, here's the keys so that you know that when the car is ready, I'm going to give it to you. The keys are the guarantee that the dad is going to fulfill his promise. That the car belongs to him. It's his already. He just can't drive it yet. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee from the Father that the promised land belongs to you even if you're not in it yet. So when the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud touch down to earth, it's as if the Lord is saying, here is my spirit as a guarantee that I will fulfill my promise to you, as a down payment of the promised land that you will inherit. You will get there. And my presence guarantees it. So you see, the presence of the Lord and the pillars is, is far more than the Lord simply putting a comforting hand on Israel's shoulder and saying, it's all right, you got this. God is giving his people assurance. He's telling them, when you doubt, when you don't know where you're going, look to me. When you start to ask yourself, how can I know that God will fulfill his promises? Look to me. Even if it looks like you're going the wrong way, even if it looks like God is taking his sweet time to fulfill his promises. There's one more detail in our passage that we should talk about. And it's verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So why why mention Joseph's bones here? Again, it seems random. It seems out of place. It's like, okay, great. So, so what? Why tell us that? I think the Lord puts it here because... And why Joseph made the sons of Israel swear? Joseph made them swear because he knew. Joseph knew, even though it was 400 years before it happened, Joseph knew that God was coming. That God was going to bring Israel out of Egypt. Think about that. Joseph did not want to stay in Egypt. And you think, well, of course not. They're slaves. Joseph wasn't. Joseph was the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Joseph had all the riches, all the power, all the influence. He was such an important person in all of Egypt. He was second only to the king himself. And yet, he said, I would rather go to the promised land than stay here. I don't want to stay here. 
For Joseph, it was better to be poor in the promised land than rich in Egypt. And by including that detail in our passage today, the Lord is calling his people to trust him like Joseph trusted. Because you'll be tempted to turn back to Egypt. But remember Joseph. Joseph did not want to stay in Egypt. Egypt is not the promised land. Egypt is not your destination. Remember his faith. How he wanted the promised land. Remember that and trust me. Look to the pillars and trust me. Remember the promises that I've made and trust me. Look to my presence and trust me. Trust me when it seems like you're going the wrong way. Trust me when it seems like I'm not fulfilling my promises. Put all your doubts away. Because the Lord has guaranteed it. These are the same words that the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Because you are on a wilderness journey like Israel was. You're not in the promised land. I hate to break it to you. America is not the promised land. You're not there yet. You're in a wilderness. And you're going to be tempted to turn back. You're going to be tempted to wonder if you're going the right way. And you're going to be tempted to say to yourself, well, how can I know God is going to fulfill His promises? And the Lord has provided an answer. And the answer is the same answer that He gave to Israel. It's His presence. It's Himself. And while we don't see a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to tell us that God is with us, We do have his word. We have the sacraments. We have each other. And we have the Holy Spirit, who is, as Paul said, a guarantee of the inheritance. That God promises and guarantees it by giving you his spirit that he will bring you to the promised land. That his spirit is his presence that leads you It's impossible for you to go the wrong way. Because God is leading you. It's impossible for you to not make it to the promised land. Because God has guaranteed it with his life. He's guaranteed it by giving up his life. And this is why when Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. The Lord is with you. The Lord who died on the cross for your sins and rose again is with you. The Lord who has freely given you his guaranteed spirit as a down payment is with you. And he will never depart from before you. Because our faith is tender... Like Israel's, the Lord has given us something visible like he gave to Israel. 
For Israel, he gave cloud and fire to, to show them his presence. And for us, he gives us his supper. as something we can hold and feel and taste to remind us of the promises he's made, to remind us that it is guaranteed with his life, to remind us that he is leading us. The Supper assures us, assures us of those things. The Supper shows us the Lord's presence, not because it is the Lord, but because the Lord is in it by his Spirit. And he has given it to you to be with you until we reach the promised land. I'd like to invite the elders forward so that we can partake of this meal this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have given us. Father, help us to trust you. That when we have doubts, when we wonder where we're going, when we wonder if you will fulfill your promises or not, help us, Lord, to look to you, to your presence in our lives, to cling to you, to not seek assurance from us ourselves, from our own works, but to look to Jesus and his works. Lord, give us trust every day in the wilderness, and please bring us to the promised land. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.